Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to the final episode in our crypto taxation series, where we've talked to accountants, tax professionals, and other experts on issues dealing with crypto on tax returns. We certainly hope it's been useful and provided some valuable information. Today, we are going to be talking about using Bitcoin.tax and answering some questions that we've received from social media, as well as some of the more frequently asked questions from our users. I'm also going to be joined by Colin Mackey, the CEO and founder of Bitcoin.tax, will be able to help me answer these questions. Hey, Colin. Hi, Sal. So I should probably clarify for everybody listening that you and I work together, and this podcast is more about us both talking through some of the questions that we've had and then providing some answers. That said, could you please introduce yourself and perhaps briefly talk about how Bitcoin.tax got started? Yes, yeah, certainly. So Bitcoin.tax started in the back end of 2013, beginning of 2014 out of the need for cryptocurrency users to be able to calculate and report their own capital gains. And I was one of them uh, that I was trying to do my taxes and I literally started trying to work it out in Excel and discovered that wasn't going to work. So developed some software to do this for me. And that was the basis of putting the website together and the backend services and our calculation engines to provide a service that people are using today. Just before we start, I just want to let everyone know that we do not provide tax or financial advice, and these questions and answers are about using the Bitcoin.tax platform. If you have a specific tax-related question or need financial or tax advice, please be sure to speak with your own tax professional. We do maintain a directory of self-registered tax professionals on our website. You can visit that by going to Bitcoin.tax slash CPA. Uh, just be aware, they're probably very busy at the moment, and so they may not be able to get back to you before the tax deadline this Monday. And as I said, these are a mixture of questions that we've received over social media, as well as ones that often come up from our support team. If there's anything you would still like to know, please go to our support page at bitcoin.tax support or email our support team at support at bitcoin.tax. So to the questions, the first question, what information goes into the spending tab? If I didn't make any purchases using crypto, do I still need to import my exchange data into the spending tab? Yeah, so that's a good question. And first probably should backtrack and explain a bit about our tabs and what you enter. So we have three main tabs for entering your crypto activity. We have the trading tab, where this is where you're entering your, typically your trades from your exchanges. You have bought crypto for dollars, you have sold crypto, you have traded between two different cryptos. And these are typically imported from the exchanges uh, where you have an account. Then the spending tab is literally where you have been spending your crypto, typically from your wallet, but maybe from, a, from an exchange account for buying products and services for an equivalent USD value. So for example, uh, I'm, I'm gonna buy a $100 gift card with Bitcoin. That's where I would enter an entry into the spending tab. I spent something on this day, this amount of Bitcoin, and it was $100. You're still disposing of your crypto at that point, And it's important to realize that that whilst you're spending it the bitcoin that you owned could well then have capital gains because you're getting rid of that crypto for a hundred dollars but it might have only cost you one dollar to purchase it in the first place so you have some potentially some capital gains there or losses and that needs to be calculated but we have them on these different tabs to help you import them in because it's different types of activity rather than just provide one just big table of everything that you need so the answer to the question is what do I need to import in there? Only if you have done any spending. So for example, if you've used Coinbase, but you've only done trading or transferring around, you don't need to import anything into the spending tab. Only if you have 
bought stuff with crypto, either from your wallet or from an online account, then it should be imported into spending. Right. And we have a way to categorize too on the spending and income tabs. For example, on the spending tab, you can categorize as a gift. You can categorize as lost or stolen, which leads me to the next question. How do I report lost or stolen crypto? And will this count as a loss? Right. So continuing on from the spending tab, you can also add in there coins that you have lost or that was stolen or that you no longer have from fraudulent activity. Uh, now they're in spending because again, you're losing them, you're getting rid of them, but you haven't traded them away. Um, so it's the place to put them. Now, the difference between coins that are lost and, and stolen is that what you have lost is the original basis. So let's say I bought a Bitcoin in 2013 for $10 and I've held onto it now and it got stolen from me. I've only lost $10. I haven't lost $5,000 because it was never sold. It was never worth that. So you can only lose the basis of what you had. So when you add them into the spending tab, you list them in there and say, okay, I lost uh, one Bitcoin and you can put the date it was lost on and we will calculate the value that it was acquired for. And that will be included on the reports tab. And we break that out on the reports tab saying this was stuff that was lost and this was stuff that was stolen or stuff that was fraudulent. How that goes into your taxes depends on what it is. And prior to 2018, you could report things that were stolen from you as a casualty loss. Now, my understanding is that's no longer allowed in 2018. And even before then, you were still subject to limits based on your adjusted gross income so that the first 10% of your loss could not be used. But so that is no longer allowed. The exception to this is where you might have some crypto that have become worthless. And let's face, say, for example, it was a very custom crypto that was on an exchange that's no longer there. They have become worthless to you. So you should speak to your tax professional, but it could be that you could report those as having no value anymore. And, and therefore claim a capital loss on it. And the thing to mention is that entering your lost or stolen coins might have an effect on your future capital gains because you're in effect removing coins and their basis from the past and that will affect what you're selling in the future. So if I had a crypto worth $10 that I had lost and therefore I, I removed it, I take that out of the cost pool that I used to have. So now when I'm selling any more crypto, that isn't part of the calculation anymore. So it could have an effect on your capital gains, which means it's important that you enter these lost or stolen coins into the system, not only to correct balances, but also to make sure you, your capital gains are correct. Right, still important to add though, regardless. And plus then you get a nice little summary on your reports tab that shows what was stolen, what was income, what was spending. So you get a nice summary right at the reports tab as well, which is useful. So as a follow-up, how does somebody report coins that are worth zero now? Yeah, that's a good question because normally when crypto is lost or stolen, all you can claim is the basis for it and it isn't a sell. You're not selling it and you're not generating a capital loss. However, there are some circumstances where this could apply. For example, if you had a token that was being traded on an exchange and just on that exchange, that was no longer no longer operating and therefore you had no way to get rid of it. It has effectively become worthless. Now, for each of those, you probably need to speak to your own tax professional to find out if this would apply. But in that example, it could be that you could enter that as a trade to say, this is now has no value 
and basically I, I no longer have it, I don't have access to it, um, and therefore I've generated myself a loss. So that will be entered as, uh, as a trade and it will create a capital loss. But in most circumstances where these are lost or stolen, you know, if you have a hard drive failure, that's just unfortunate and there is no comeback, there is no tax deduction for that. If stuff was stolen from you, again, there is no tax deduction 2018 going forward. It would just be in those special circumstances. Right. So one of the features of Bitcoin taxes is to import data from any exchange using a standard CSV. Can you talk a little bit about the standard CSV and when to use it? Yeah, so a lot of these exchanges actually have downloads for their trading history, which come down in a CSV format. But unfortunately, they're all different and they all have their own layouts. Um, so there's no standard between them. So part of what we do is we take in and we convert those formats into our standard format and we store it in our database. And that's how we calculate the capital gains. Now, there are some exchanges that don't provide a CSV or the CSV isn't complete. And in that circumstance, we would use our standard layout CSV. And what this is, is a template with certain data columns um, named in special way that you can enter the information in, for example, the dates, uh, what you did, bought or sold, the amounts, the, the currency that you traded in, and then we can import that into our system. Another thing about the CSV is if you have entered some trades in manually, typed, typed them into the form, or you've used a, an exchange that we don't support or is kind of obscure, then having that into a CSV has some advantages because you can import it again. Rather than having to type the data in the second time, if there was ever you wanted to clear down your account or change something, if you have put it into a CSV, it means you have your own version of it, your own record of it, and then you can re-upload it quite easily without having to worry about typing everything in again. Right, and it's a really useful feature. And as you said, there's all sorts of obscure exchanges that are popping up almost every day, it seems like. And so having a standard CSV option is great. And to make it even easier, we offer a standard CSV template that you can download right from our knowledge base. And there's instructions on there, and there's one for each section of your Bitcoin.tax account as well. So if you are looking for that, you can head on over to our knowledge base to retrieve that. Next question is, if I transfer a coin from a wallet, whether it be purchased with fiat on Coinbase or Mind, to another exchange and then sell it on this exchange, I will end up with an unmatched trade transaction. How do I reconcile it? Where do I enter this data into your software? So firstly, you shouldn't end up with an unmatched transaction because you are purchasing something on one exchange and then you're selling it on another. So what's important here is that you must import all your trading activity from all the places where you trade. So if we don't know about where you purchased it and you're selling it, then that's gonna create an unmatched transaction. Or if we only know about where you bought it and never see that you sold it, then we're gonna create an incorrect balance. So as long as you've imported everything in, and, and in this example, let's say you bought one Bitcoin on uh, Coinbase, and then you just transferred it to another exchange, let's say Binance, and you sold it there. As long as you've imported both those sets of data, then we're gonna see bought a Bitcoin for $4,000 sold a Bitcoin for $5,000 and we'll, we, everything will reconcile uh, and we can calculate what the gain is and your Bitcoin balance will be correct. Sometimes there are unmatched trades and we're going to get into that in the next question. But as long as you've entered all your activity, then as far as we're concerned, we look at your global picture and say, well, you bought a Bitcoin and you sold a Bitcoin. Everything's going to add up. If we 
don't see the purchase of the Bitcoin, then that will create an unmatched trade because all of a sudden you're selling something that you don't own. So that uh, really important that the data is included. So to answer the question, how do I enter this into your software? If you have traded and you bought it on, let's say Coinbase, then you must have added into the trading tab the purchases that you made on Coinbase. If you received it through mining, you must have entered it into the income tab or if you received it from a gift, but it has to be there so the balances can become positive. So that when the sale happens, we can take it from that and we know what the basis was and we can then work out the gains and we can calculate the correct final balance. Right, you need to import where and when you purchased the coin or acquired the coin and then when, where and how you traded it that's not going to create an unmatched transaction. On the topic of unmatched trades, what is the most common reason for an unmatched trade? So firstly, let me explain a bit about what an unmatched trade is. So an unmatched trade is where you're selling something that you don't own. And you'll often see these as red exclamation errors on the reports tab. So for example, let's say you have a trade in the system to sell five Bitcoins, but at the time you only had three that's going to create an unmatched trade of two bitcoins and that clearly shouldn't happen so there's a number of reasons for this the most common reason is that not all of your trading activity has been included or your balances that start the year are not correct so if you bought and sold on different exchanges um, like coinbase and binance and bitrex you need to make sure that all that data is imported you can't have a situation where you are selling some crypto in one of those exchanges, which you purchased in another, and we don't know about it. You really have to make sure that everything's included. The other thing is if you're selling some crypto that you owned previously, you need to make sure that's there too. So let's say I bought some crypto in 2017, that has to be added into the system. And there's two ways that we can do this. We can either go switch into 2017 and import all the trading activity in exactly the same kind of way to allow the system to calculate the capital gains and also calculate the closing balances. When it does that, it will then copy that into the beginning, into what we call the opening tab for 2018. Now we split up our tax years year by year. And one of the reasons that we do this is so that we can close the books on a year and you can actually lock it down so that you don't make any accidental changes that whenever you're importing, you can always be sure that you're only changing the tax years that you're working on. So if you're adding some data into the previous year, you can import it in the same way and you calculate it and we can then calculate the capital gains and the closing balances and they are then copied into the opening tab for the next year. So they have to be there because if you start trading, selling some coins you previously owned, obviously we need to have that. So either you can get it from the previous year or you can manually or import it into the opening tab to say, well, I'm just starting for 2018, but I had these, I bought them in 2013. You can add them in uh, into the opening tab, but we must have those balances because without that, then obviously the numbers are not going to make sense and you'll create an unmatched trade. So that's the most common reason, but there are some other reasons such as incorrect data. So let's say, for example, you've imported your own CSV. You need to check that the dates and if you've entered any times that they are correct, the volumes of the crypto that you're exchanging is correct, and the ticker names, the, the crypto symbols are consistent or match the ones that we know about. Now, there are also cases where the CSVs you get from the exchanges might not be as accurate as you think they are. So for example, some of the exchanges report their, your trading activity, 
but they do it by listing the orders that you've made or the orders that you've placed and when this order was opened and when it was closed but it doesn't actually break out all the fills that you made within it so you end up with this range of when these orders existed saying that you sold some crypto but the effect is they can overlap with each other and you might end up in a situation where you sell before you buy so it's worth double checking that the trading activity that's been imported matches your records of it so that we can calculate the balances correctly. We also know that when exchanges report the date and times of when trades happen in CSVs, the times tend to be in a specific time zone and most tend to use UTC, which is Universal Coordinated Time, Greenwich Mean Time, which is also how we store it in our system. But this is important because if you mismatch what that time zone is, the effect is that uh, trades happen uh, a few hours than, than they should have done. So for example, if you had had a trade at midnight UTC time and then you import it in, you should be seeing that flight in New York for 9 p.m. the day before. Now, some exchanges report in UTC, some report in their local time, some report in your local time. So part of what we do is we understand which one they're reporting in and we convert it is to store it in our database and then we convert it when it, we display it to you. Where we really see this create a problem is when you download that file and you open it up in Excel, uh, which is just a really common thing to do. And unfortunately, it seems to be a, the, the, the default of a browser that you download a file and it just pop up Excel if you've got Excel installed. The problem with Excel is it has this really horrid thing about what it does with date and times, which is it, it converts it internally and it, so it can display it to you, but it takes away any seconds that were there. So you just immediately lose accuracy. It strips off any time zones and it alters the date and time format. And a lot of these exchanges tend to use the universal date and time format, which is year, month, day, but it will obviously convert it into the US typical time zone format. So when you upload that data into an external system, you've already lost, you've lost a lot of precision because you've lost your uh, seconds. And then you've also got some inaccuracies in there because it's also taken away the time zone. So if the exchange is reporting in UTC time and you import it locally, then our system without knowing that is just gonna think it's local time. And the effect there is that you could end up with situations where you are reporting trades that are selling before you purchase them, which is obviously gonna create an unmatched trade. Another reason that we get unmatched trades is uh, it's, it's missing data, but it's specifically missing fork data or airdrops. So exchanges, when they create an airdrop, they don't always include it in their trading activity because it wasn't a trade. It was just a, an addition to your account. And sometimes they don't even include it in their deposit information either. So it just appears in your account. So you need to double check that if you know that you had some airdrops and you were selling them or you transferred them out, that they are ad been added into the system and airdrops and forks get added into the income tab because they are a, 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 some new wealth that you have acquired, but you need to record the volume and how much they were worth, if not zero, so that we can use that information to calculate the capital gains and the, the subsequent balances. So, but if those airdrops are not included, then you're gonna be selling something again that you don't have and that will create this unmatched trade. And lastly is the ticker names or the, the crypto symbols that don't match. So we have this unfortunate situation where 
some crypto symbols are being duplicated uh, or being changed between different systems and we have to try and match those together because so for example bitcoin cash when that was created the community adopted the bch symbol but some exchanges were using bcc for bitcoin cash now at the time there was another coin called bitcoin connect that was also bcc and people were trading bitcoin connect and bitcoin cash and it was just creating this confusion because it was the same symbol so we have ways to make sure that what we import for those kind of ticker symbols can be made consistent either just by setting flags on the import or in your account tab the, adding the alternate names so you can say well bch is always bcc for me um, and that will allow us to combine these together and get them correct otherwise what you're going to see on the reports tab is that you'll see some unmatched trade and it may say uh, bch is unmatched and hopefully that will let you see that oh yeah well i did Buy, I did get some BCH from a fork or oh I did buy it but it was it's being recorded as BCC in here so you can go back and make the uh, amendments to make sure that the balances correct themselves and to expand on some of these first off if you do have unmatched trades and you can't figure them out we do have some material in the knowledge base and then you're always welcome to email our support team and our support team will work with you to figure out your unmatched trades but to touch on some of the things that Colin mentioned um, different coin names, for example. If you have BCC in your opening tab, if you treated it as BCC in one year, and then the next year you're treating it as BCH, you might see some unmatched trade. So you wanna make sure that you're consistent with your coin names. And when you're importing your data, on some of the exchanges, there is an option on our on Bitcoin.tax to treat BCC as BCH. So make sure you're being consistent with your coin symbol names. Um, with incorrect data, one of the more common things I've seen is that when somebody is manually importing their data, they list the total price as the price per coin. And that creates some, you know, inflated gains. So make sure you're paying attention to whether you're entering the price per coin or whether you're entering the total cost of the trade. That's important to, to pay attention to. Um, I'm not importing all of your activity. That's one of the most common problems I see is that people use maybe an obscure exchange once to maybe buy some crypto or to do something and they forget to import that data and that causes unmatched trades. So make sure you're importing all of your data as Colin said from every single year. So if you've been trading since 2013, you need to have your data from 2013. It all goes together. So you need to make sure you have all of your data imported. Um, and then one more kind of common one that I've seen recently is with Binance, you have the ability to to change your dust, your small coin volumes to BNB, their coin, they don't offer any way to export that data. So what you have to do is you have to go into your Binance account, view your dust to BNB conversions, which there's a page you can visit to view your dust to BNB conversions. And then you have to manually enter that either by regular manual entry or by creating a standard CSV to enter that data into your trading tab. So dust to BNB would just be treated like any other trade. If you had a small amount of Ethereum and it exchanged to BNB, you would just put it in as a sale of Ethereum for BNB. So it's just a, it's treated as a trade. Like I said, this is one of the more common things that people do deal with because people trade on a lot of different exchanges. So if you're having any issue, you're always more than welcome to reach out to our support team. We'll work with you to try and figure out the unmatched trade. No problem. All right. So our next question is, when is the appropriate time to use the address function? The address function or the tab is there to be the exception for picking up data that you haven't been able to get in any other way. So 
the, uh, an example of using it is where you have done some spending from your wallet or from a specific address that hasn't been imported in any other tab and you want a way to include them. So you would go in and you could add your address for one of the few blockchains that we support and we will go and scan the blockchain and show all the incoming and outgoing transactions. And you can go through there then and cherry pick saying, oh yeah, that was, that was me spending something, that was $100. And you can either enter in the $100 or we'll use a price lookup. And we'll automatically put that into the spending tab for you for that value. So this is a good way for you to kind of go through your address. And just, as I say, it's an exception really just to pick up any last items that you hadn't been able to import into the system. Most people don't need to use it, but it's there to handle any exceptions uh, for, for any data that they need to get into the system. All right, next question is, where do you get the price for crypto from? So firstly, prices normally come from the exchanges themselves. When you have a trade, uh, they report what it costs, uh, how much you paid for it. So they include their price data for the, for the trade that happened. Now, sometimes we need to do a price check for an asset. So for example, if you trade between Litecoin and Bitcoin, for example, and you're disposing of the Litecoin, then we need to work out what that daily value was so that we can say, well, this is what it was worth when you disposed it, and therefore we can calculate what the gains were. For that, we use our own pricing data going back to 2010 that we collect from various trading places, from the exchanges and from other sources to help us calculate a weighted average price. Now we calculate everything on a daily value based on the trading values at that time. One of the issues that that can create though is when you have large intraday swings in pricing. So if you remember back to the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, where Bitcoin and all the other crypto were just dropping in price, we had some days there where we saw huge fluctuations in pricing. So it could be that a daily average price might not have been the best reflective value because if you had traded in the morning, you may have had a higher price or it had a higher value than if you had traded in the evening. For fiat currencies, we also use a daily price that from established sources. The IRS lets you use those when you're filing on your returns. For example, if you had foreign bank interest and you needed to report it in dollars, they also provide an annual rate that you can use instead. So for, for crypto, it's a, it's a different case because of really because of these intraday swings. And one of the things we're working on right now is putting in a much finer granularity. So we're doing hourly pricing and that will really help smooth out those issues. Okay. Next question is why does TurboTax have a 250 limit? So this is the reports tab where you can download your capital gains. And we have a number of different ways you can download CSV, TaxApp, TurboTax Desktop as a TXF file, TurboTax Online, 8949 and so on. This year we have worked with TurboTax Online and we partnered with them to come up with a solution where users of Bitcoin.tax can download their file and import it directly into TurboTax Online. This just helps getting the data in there because previously we, you had to use TurboTax Desktop uh, was the only solution. So this is great that they've added that into their online service. Their online service limits that file to only being 250 lines. And for a lot of people, that means that in their capital gains report, because you are supposed to report 
every time you disposed of a cryptocurrency, then the number of lines you might have would be more than 250. So if you have less than 250, it's not a problem. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even see the issue. You just download the file and import it. If you have more than 250, then you'll get a message up from us saying uh, that TurboTax currently has a 250 limit and you need to do something. Uh, what that might be is there's a couple of things you can do. One is you don't use TurboTax, you use something else, uh, or you TurboTax suggests that you aggregate the data. And in our system, if you can click the options button there, and we can aggregate it in different ways by date, by asset, or by long and short-term trades, which is what most people do. If you do that, then in that latter example, then you'll download a file that has one or two lines in it, literally, because it's your total sum of short-term gains and, and losses and your total sum of long-term gains and losses. And then that can be imported into TurboTax. There is a question then, because you are supposed to report everything, whether you need to include the actual trading data or the, sorry, the capital gains lines that make up those aggregated values, which you can still get by downloading the uh, 8949 statement. And I recommend you, sh you do do that and you keep it for yourself. In, in case you're questioned uh, ever about, you know, how did that numbers get calculated, then you can show how it was generated. I can't speak to TurboTax and their limit as to why it's there and, and if they're going to increase it. I hope so because we have a lot of users who need more than that, uh, but that's just a, a limit they've imposed on their system presumably for uh, just kind of performance to make sure that everyone can upload data uh, uh, properly. Right, and to clarify the question from a user, it was why does TurboTax Online have the 250 limit? TurboTax Online has that limit. TurboTax desktop version does not have a 250 limit. It does have a limit. Yeah, and TurboTax desktop uh, and HNR block, I, I think is 3000 lines. Tax Act, I think is 2000 lines. So you, you users have a, who have more than that kind of currently have a problem about they want to report it they're trying to and they're just kind of prevented from doing it accurately so a lot of times they have to aggregate it and send in the information the other way and and the way that the IRS want you to do this is that they say that you can uh, put an aggregated line on your eight nine four nine one line and they're in their instructions, if you look up the instructions for that form, it's very clear about how you have to report that. And then you would send in, you would print off and send in your uh, the actual individual lines separately using a specific form, which again, we include in our knowledge base about which form that is. So, so there is a way that you should be doing this, but it's obviously very important that you report the figures uh, and you accurately report the amount of tax that you're gonna owe so that that can be calculated. And, and then you can kind of fill in the detail and say, okay, and report that in additionally saying, well, this is the extra information that was used to calculate. All right, next question is one that I do see fairly often. I only ever invested $5,000. Why does my report show a cost basis and proceeds in the hundreds of thousands? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And it, it tends to happen more with somewhere like Coinbase Pro, where they are sending out their 1099K forms. Now, the 1099K is supposed to be showing monies that was taken through a payment system or used to pass through a service. Like, for example, if you were using PayPal to, uh, to sell, you had a business and you were kind of taking money from customers on PayPal, then PayPal would send you a 1099K showing the money that was traded through your account. So Coinbase Pro and Coinbase are, are reporting that value. 
and it's the amount of money that was traded in your account. So you end up with a situation where you could invest, you could put $5,000 into your account, you could buy some Bitcoin, you could sell some Bitcoin, you could buy some Ethereum, you could trade between all these coins, and you could spend a lot of time manually or using a bot trading with your initial $5,000. And the end result is at the end of the year, you might still only have $5,000, let's say, but you have generated thousands and thousands of dollars worth of trades, and that's what they're reporting. So some people get this sticker shock when they get that 1099K through the mail or, or through their email, and they see these huge figures on there. And it, it's kind of accurate that that's the trading that you have been doing through your account, but it is by no means any indication the amount of income you received or the amount of gains that you own. It's just showing what value's gone back and through. And in fact, our understanding is there's some inaccuracies in there because it isn't even including some of the fees that you might have paid in that value. But nonetheless, that form is sent to the IRS. And so the first thing is that the IRS are aware of it and they are aware that you are doing some cryptocurrency trading. So it's important that you are reporting your cryptocurrency activity. The reason that this shows up in a cost basis in proceeds is that for every trade that you have, you know, if you buy some Bitcoin for $5,000, that's a $5,000 trade. And if you sell it for $5,000, that's another $5,000 trade. So those, the cost basis and proceed columns in, in all this data add up and they accumulate over time, even though your net gain might be zero, for example. So it's perfectly normal. It's, it's expected. You would see higher values in, cost ba- in the sum of all cost basis and all the proceeds. What's important is the sum of the gains and how much capital gains or losses you have, because that's what the tax will be determined on. All right. Next question. If I need a larger plan than I originally paid for, do I have to pay the whole price of the new plan? Uh, the short answer is no, obviously. I mean, that, that kind of wouldn't make sense. So our, our system is tiered in that you can import a number of transactions or trades, fills, as it's called by, by some systems, uh, into our platform. And then from that, we'll work out the capital gains. So our initial tier, our first paid tier is like a 1000 trades and we got to 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, a million and so on. Uh, and that's a tiered approach. So if you discover that you need more, you can just upgrade it and we, we just charge the difference. So if you're upgrading from the premier tier, which is 29.95 to the next level up, then you just have to pay the extra $10. I mean, that's as if, as if you had just bought that. And all you have to do to do that is go to account and then go to plan and you can just upgrade from there. Next question. I bought and held some crypto back in 2016 and 2017, but didn't sell them until 2018. Do I need to buy plans for all of those years? So this kind of depends because it depends on if you are going to be reporting your taxes for 16 and 17 or not. So people are asked this kind of question. um, Most of the time, what they're trying to say is, well, I bought crypto and I just didn't do anything with it. I just held on to it, but I bought a lot of crypto and I'm over your 20 transaction limit, do I need to upgrade 16, 17? The answer is no, because you can still import buy only transactions with no real limit. Our transaction limits kick in when you're trading, when you're either selling or you're trading between crypto, because those are tax events, and that's what triggers uh, us doing the calculations. If you're just buying and holding, then 
there is nothing to calculate, which is to kind of accumulate in your records and your cost basis, which you are then forwarding on year by year into 2018. So if you just bought crypto in 16 and 17, you could just import them in without upgrading in 16 and 17, and everything will get carried forward into 2018. And then when you traded, then you would upgrade 2018 so that we can calculate your, your turn. However, if you bought in 16, and then you did some trading in 2017, you traded between all coins or you sold something, you need to upgrade 17 because we need to calculate what the gains is so that we can work out what's to carry forward to 18. We deal with each tax, a bit like TurboTax, we deal with each tax year independently. Um, and if you're reporting 2018, you need to have worked out what 2017 was so that you can kind of carry your balances and your basis forward for which we need to calculate what the gains were. So for most people then, if they only buy and they don't need to worry about it, but if they have done trade, some trading, they have two choices. Either they can upgrade with us or they can just import their resultant or their starting balances from 2018, which they can calculate elsewhere or bring into our system directly into 2018. And then, and then there's also no need to upgrade if they make use of the open tab. Right. All right, next question. How do I account for forks? So forks are, uh, there's, there's a whole, whole another discussion I'm not going to get into that I think we had answered by Tyson Cross in our very first podcast about how you, if and how you enter a fork, you know, whether it's income or, or whether it's even has a value. And that, that kind of comes down to, where you, sometimes there's these forks you're just not even aware of. So do you have to report them? Well, you know, that, that's the question. If you're not aware of them, maybe, maybe not. But if you are, if you're using them, if you're holding them, if you have access to them, and definitely if you're then going to trade on them, you do need to add them into the system. And they're added in as income. They go into the income tab, and you have to enter the amount of that crypto that you received, the volume, and the date it was received on. The value that it's worth is another question that depends and it depends on is there a fair market value and i would a lot of cases that we see there isn't it has zero value because it was just generated there is no market i think the exception is bitcoin cash which was being traded on futures market before it was launched so it, it did have a value because the second it was launched you could sell it right right there and then so, so that aside, though, uh, most people tend to enter them, from what we see, most people enter them in as having zero value, meaning that it, it was income of this crypto and this amount on this date, but for zero dollars. What then happens is when you come to sell it, we will take the basis, zero, uh, away from the proceeds that you make, let's say $100, and say, okay, now you have $100 gain. So really, you're just deferring the gains to a later date. But the important thing is there is it has to be added in. It has to be added in into the income tab because we need to record the balances and the fact that they exist and how long you had owned them for. Okay. Next question. I bought some crypto back in 2017, but never withdrew any money. Just traded some other altcoins. Do I need to report anything? So this is one of the common misconceptions that, you know, if you say, well, I never drew any cash out. I don't need to report anything. If it was an account that you owned, then it's, it's your money. Uh, you still, you might have still traded and sold it and it's sitting in a Coinbase account. That's still your account. So you still have these tax events. 
So to answer this question, it's really down to if you have traded between altcoins, then generally, then you have there is a tax event because you disposed of one coin and you bought another for that value, uh, and that disposition triggers a tax event where you have to work out if there are any gains. Now, there's a whole other conversation about 1031 Litecoin exchanges, which could have been applicable for 2017 and before. And I know that again, the accountants have opinions on this and the majority is saying it would not be applicable but uh, some are some do say that it could have been applicable under certain circumstances but ignoring that then if you traded trading is just like selling uh, and that that means you need to report it so if you the only time you don't have to report anything is if you bought crypto for fiat or for dollars or euros and you did nothing with it you can move it around between your own wallets uh, and you can hold on to it as long as you didn't trade it away for other crypto or for other fiat currencies. In that case, you don't have to report anything. Right. And in that case, you'd also, you would want to at least keep a record of all of that because when you do eventually trade it, you need to have that cost basis. Right. Absolutely. So you, you should still be downloading the reports and the, and the CSVs if you can from the exchanges because they may disappear. We've seen some that have kind of disappeared in the last year. And then you're left in a situation where you have bought some crypto and you transferred it out of the exchange, but you've lost the value of what it was worth. And the IRS could take the worst case there and say, well, if you can't prove that you bought it for this, which is you're going to assume it was zero, in which case you're going to be paying 100% capital gains on it. So yeah, definitely always keep your records of what you're buying, even if it's manual and you're just holding on to those original CSV files. Right. And that actually leads into the next question. Bittrex recently announced that they're closing down in New York state. Do I need to do anything? Yeah. So my understanding is this is imminent. Um, I don't know how long they're allowing users in New York state access to their account. I hope it's for a little while because you need to download your trading activity. You need to fire. We have instructions on our trading tab that tell you how to download your Bittrex CSV files. Uh, you need to get that as soon as possible uh, in case that they stop giving you access to it. Uh, that would be the worst case. So yeah, this comes back to keeping your own documentation. It's, it's on you as the taxpayer to keep records of your transactions. And if Bittrex suddenly don't allow their users from New York State access to their accounts, then these people are going to say, well, I did trading on here, but I have no idea what it was for and what it was worth. And the worst case is you could get the point where the IRS say, well, if you can't prove it, then maybe it was nothing. Maybe all this is gains. You suddenly have all this crypto where you can't prove where they came from. So absolutely advice to anybody who's out there who's used Bittrex and are in New York uh, to go into your account right now and download your trading CSVs as much as you can in case you don't have access soon. Absolutely. And I say this with pretty much every exchange, even if it's a huge exchange like Coinbase, always back up your data, always download your CSVs, do it pretty consistently just so you always have records. And I have had some customers that have had success reaching out to um, exchanges where they weren't able to access their data anymore. And if they reached out to their customer service or to some, somebody over at their exchange, they were able to get their data emailed to them. That may not always work. So if you're in a situation where you can't access the data no matter what, and you have no records of it. In that case, it's best to probably speak with a tax professional to see what you should be doing. 
Alright, so that is the last of the questions from our users. Can you talk a little bit about what's to come for Bitcoin.tax this year? Yeah, so we kind of put a code freeze on for this tax season. And we've just been making sure that what we have is, uh, is working great for users and keeping the platform going. Uh, we're obviously very busy right now up till Monday. Uh, and then again, for the extended season in October. Uh, our plans for this year, though, are to improve the platform more uh, and make it add some features in that users have been asking for. So a couple of things here, some more exchanges that have come up that we're adding integration for, which should be available soon. I mentioned earlier the update of the pricing. So um, we do this daily averaging pricing. We're changing that to be an hourly pricing that we're pulling from our different sources. Uh, that should give a much more accurate uh, uh, pricing, intraday pricing. So those days where you have these huge spikes up and down, that should be much reflect much more accurately what the gains are. We're also doing some improvements to our CPA version. So currently we have a tax professional or tax firm uh, product where CPAs can sign up and have clients import that data. We're doing some work there, making that making that better. Do some uh, white labeling for them so it gives a more uh, a nicer experience for their own clients and one other thing is we're looking at seeing how we can calculate the fbar and fatca maximum values for an account so currently when you have to file these forms you have to say what the maximum value of your assets were in a foreign account uh, which can be a complicated thing to do for crypto because depends on crypto pricing and it also depends on what the snapshot is at any particular time and that has you have to calculate that per exchange and then look at all of them and if in total you're above the threshold which is ten thousand dollars across your foreign financial assets then you have to report all your foreign accounts and for each one you have to report what the maximum value was in dollars so uh, i believe there's still a question on whether a crypto should be included in that figure um, but nonetheless, we're going to present the information so the users can make that, see, see the values and they can make that decision. Uh, and then they can report the FR and factor information. The advice my accountant gave to me was uh, just report it anyway, because the fines for not reporting it are pretty hefty. So you just want to make sure all that data is out there. All right. I'd like to thank you, Colin, for joining me today. And I'd also like to give a shout out to the team over at Bitcoin.tax, who have been working extra hard this tax season. Yep, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we could have gone through some of these questions uh, and answers, and hopefully it's asked some of those lingering things that people were still trying to work out. Hopefully most people have already uh, filed their taxes, but I know there's uh, it's still a busy weekend coming up, so I know a lot of people will be still working on that, and some people will be filing extension so that they can complete it for the rest of the year. Right, yeah, and our support team will be here for you guys. If you need anything, make sure to reach out. And uh, we are currently planning our next podcast series where we will be speaking to some key people and businesses in the crypto space. So we certainly hope that you will tune in soon.